2: Well, 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 here we go again. The return of your favourite post pod that we must reiterate has no direct affiliation to the club. HFC chat returns and I genuinely couldn't be happier. I think it was evident after recording the emergency podcast that we'd missed this a lot. I must admit it was definitely the right decision to suspend proceedings as I wouldn't have been able to commit with the workload at uni, but boy, am I glad that we are back We announced the return the other night, um, Davo, after passing 1,000 followers. I mean, just touching on this quickly from a personal point of view, when I started the podcast, what, it'll be four years ago now, and when I started to do a little bit of research into whether there might be scope for that. I remember speaking to Mark Carroll um, a lot about it, and he kind of was a massive encouragement. So shout out to a great friend of the podcast there. um. But I never ever expected it to be over 1,000 people on Facebook, over 1,000 people on Twitter, to have a look at you know some of our Spotify stats um, that we got through, which I will touch on a little bit later. I mean, it just means, and I know it's cliche, but we've talked about it a lot. It means an awful lot to us both. And um, you know, obviously, you came on board. I think it was after the first season of HFC Chat. I can't quite remember. But I know that we've produced, this will be our 51st episode producing together and that's massive. But I'm going to ask you now, Dav, I've touched on it there. How much did that mean to you when you saw that we'd passed 1K and how good is it to be back producing, all being well, regular content moving forward?
1: Oh, honestly, it was a huge, monumental moment for us both. You know, you worked tightly hard on your own before I came on and together we have both worked tightly hard to get this platform to where it is now and where it deservedly is um I mean 1000 I mean we were on FaceTime Wonder Evening you saw my reaction I saw yours I was off the roof you were off the roof mm-hmm. it, it, it is it's, it might be silly to some but I can't describe that feeling I was just buzzing you know it's it's a landmark that we've been trying to get to for a long time now. Obviously, the decision to suspend the podcast, which which was the right one, obviously halted. that. But to come back and to get it as quickly as we have is, is just testament to the loyal and class fan base that we've got at home listening to us. So huge thanks goes to them. But honestly, I'm delighted that we've made the decision to restart again, um, like you've rightfully said. like I've just said it was the right decision at the time to hold production of the pod however you know getting back to the microphone for that emergency episode man it just felt awesome and you know being away from the podcast but then going to games having people come up to you and say not like oh my god what a good podcast it was it was like when are we coming back Mm -hmm. that feeling honestly you you can't pay for compliments and comments like that so I just knew it was undoubtedly right to bring it all back and yeah, here, here we are
2: yeah you know you you've touched on it there it may seem silly to some you know when you say oh well we do a podcast about the football club that we support but being able to provide something for fans to listen to i think th- that was the main reason um and i know we've done an episode on well when we were ultimately looking to close the podcast for at least the foreseeable. We talked a lot about how we wanted to give the fans something to listen to, wanted to give the fans something to interact with. That's why I started this podcast. But honestly, to go to games and to hear people ask you and speak so highly of a podcast that you do out of the love for the club we don't do it for people to say oh you know they're the lads from the podcast but it's absolutely mad going to games and having people come up to you i mean a little story from us from myself here when we had crystal palace away back in february I, I was talking to the people next to me um at the game and this guy kept turning around i was thinking what's he looking at I genuinely didn't have a clue. He turned around every couple of minutes, uh, literally every time I was speaking, basically. And uh, anyway, it must have been about, I don't know, the 10th time he turns around. He goes, I recognise your voice from somewhere. And I was thinking, oh, come on, like recognise me voice. I'm not anyone famous or, you know, important. And I went, all right. And he, he says to me, he says, you don't do HUFC chat, do you? And I says, yeah, yeah, I do. And then a couple of people around me went, you do the podcast, like HFC Chat. And I was like, yeah, you know, I do it with my best pal, Davo, and uh, we absolutely love doing it. And a couple of people got their phones out and followed the podcast. And just to have that feeling and to know that we are doing something that people value and we're not just chatting crap for hours on end. You know, as I've just said to you, Davo, when we were planning this episode, an awful lot of time goes into this I'm not just saying it you know we as we've as we've also said earlier on our parents have been saying to us you know how much are you speaking to Jack at the minute and that's just because we care about producing high quality content and you know to be able to pull all this together and to know that people really do value what we do and people love listening at the end of the day football is all about opinions and although we don't have any direct affiliation to the club, we try to make it as relative as we can. And we just want to both say thank you for that to hit the 1000 mark is absolutely incredible to know that people actually care about what we're rambling on about um, really does mean a lot. So yeah, it was a massive achievement for us the other night to hit that landmark. We keep pushing forward, we keep producing quality content for you all being well. And uh, we look forward to the direction that HFC chat is going in. It couldn't really come at a better time as we head heading towards 2023. Well, I genuinely could not think of a better way to start this episode than welcoming on our very good friend, Mr Tom Crawford. This is your second appearance now, and I'm sorry to disappoint you, but we don't give out match balls for a third like Soccer AM. However, <laughs> Ross, how are you doing, pal? Are you keeping all well? Good, lads. All right. yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. Good stuff. Well, firstly, I'm sure all fans will want to know this, but having seen some content on your uh, Instagram recently, I mean, how's the rehab going?
3: Uh, yeah, it's going well, mate. Um obviously recently I had a operation which was kind of uh, a weird one for everyone to sort of take that was come out of the blue sort of thing. But it's uh it was an issue I've been having for quite a long time with my um with my right foot. Uh it happened last season. Uh it was sort of something that I thought would go away, but like myself. Um and it's just sort of niggled at me and niggled at me for a while now and it was something that I just had to make a decision on where when I got it done sort of thing because I got told it needed an operation this year when I after I had it scanned finally, um, yeah, and I just took the plunge. I thought better get better get it done now than probably in the last like in the latter months of the season, so I could come back and obviously try and help the team as much as I can towards the latter part of the season. So yeah, I got it done. All went well, um, according to the According to the man in charge, so yeah, it's uh, going well.
1: I mean, that is great here, and hopefully you are back in the blue, might very, very soon. Perhaps you could give us an insight into what it's like being injured, whilst performances and results on the pitch aren't where we'd hope they would be. How does that affect you not being able to do anything about us?
3: Uh, honestly, mate, it's probably one of the worst feelings I've ever felt, to be honest. I've never... Touch, obviously touch wood i've never had a like a serious injury like that puts people out for six months plus like a full season and i honestly, honestly I, couldn't, I couldn't i wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy it's honestly horrendous that you can't you can't have any impact on what's happening on on the pitch it's uh watching from the sides is 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 like a new a new level for me of of tough Um. It's just horrible, mate, because obviously the current climate went, like I'd I'd love to be on the pitch, you know, I mean, fighting for every ball and trying to get us back up the up the league table. So it's sitting from the sides is just so, so tough. I mean, I guess
2: it must be quite difficult as well mentally. Um, it's not just, you know, physically not being able to do as much as you usually want, but the whole mental side of things and not being able to, you know, be around the lads as much as you want. I guess that's quite taxing as well.
3: That's what I mean, mate. I've spent I've spent a lot of time at home, um, obviously because I can't do anything with with my foot at the minute. So the days sort of roll into each other, and you, you end up you end up feeling like you're doing the same thing every day, which you are, because you do you're doing you're sitting you're sitting your backside all day, just watching the telly or whatever, and the days just roll into one, and you're you just like twiddling your thumbs, like what what am I gonna do? And obviously. My, my, my missus works, so she, she goes out and I'm just in the house on my own. It's tough, mate. Honestly, I wouldn't wish it up on, on anyone.
2: Well, fingers crossed you'll be back as soon as possible. So we ask these questions to our followers, so it would only be right to ask you. I mean, let's start with who would be your player of 2022? Now, bear in mind, this can be from January right up to now in this current moment. Oh, that's tough.
3: So January to now. Yeah, Yeah. and it can Um, be
2: like you don't have to if you don't have a specific one, that's fine. But any players that you you know think have had a massive impact on the team, whether that on the pitch or in the dressing room, however you feel best.
3: Uh, I'd probably I'd probably give you two. I seen I seen you put um the poll on on your on your Twitter, and I thought there's probably two, and they were they were both like they both got more votes than me. Do you know what I mean? They would be (laughs) they would be my two if I had to pick. I fight to pick two. Um, obviously, Moles, what he did last year was was a joke. Like he, he was he was red hot, and then Josh has come in this season and been absolutely unbelievable. Coming from part time, it's it's an, into a full full time environment. It's it's not easy as a as a footballer. Um, doesn't always work for everyone, and he's uh, he's sort of knuckled down and and coming to his own. Really, he's absolutely fantastic. Like. Every time he's on the pitch, he, he he puts himself about. He's he's getting fitter every week. He's getting stronger. People hate playing against him because I know I've not spoke to anyone, but as a footballer, I know he, look watching him play football, he would be horrible to play against. Standing on your toes, you know, you're not going to get a minute second on the ball because he's he's closing you down. He just leaves it out there on the pitch, and I think that's like that's like testament to him that he's he's been able to come in and, and sort of hit the ground running in a full-time environment. And I think all the fans appreciate him because he, he gives his all and that's all the fans want, really. So, so yeah, he, he, he would be mine and obviously Moles from last year.
1: Perhaps you could just talk us through any moments that stand out for you. I know some are obvious, such as Palace away, but there may be some which were personally special, such as scoring your first goal for the club and signing your new contract.
3: Yeah, there's a, I'd say there's a couple, mate. Yeah, obviously Palace was a big one. Um, playing at a Premier League club in a Premier League ground didn't didn't get much better than that as a as a footballer playing in the League Two currently. So that was up there. And um, like you say, scoring my first goal was just I was just waiting for it to happen. And um, and I sort of said the week before that it was it was hopefully coming soon. And then the week after I ended up scoring, which was which was good. Um. Rather, even though it, it it didn't end the way I wanted it to, My, personally myself, we missing a penalty like with with Moles, but just the 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 home game, the environment, the 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 noise, um, just like just just like the atmosphere in the ground was like unbelievable. It felt like there was twenty five plus thousand in the ground, and it was just unbelievable. Um, but yeah, there's there's a, there's a couple.
2: Now, just as a little side point off that, you've talked about the atmosphere and how it felt like there was that many people in the ground. How, you know, players talk about it a lot and how is it for a League Two footballer to know that there's that backing every week? I mean, when you come out of that stadium, out of that tunnel, and you see that massive, you know, crowd surfer there, it's mad for a League Two club. I mean, how does it impact the squad? And surely, you know, it's something that encourages them when we're in a position like we are.
3: Yeah, um, especially in the position you're in, is is it's exactly what what's needed to get out of it. I'd say um, like the gaffer says on on every one of his interviews, uh, we need to give him something to shout about, and he's right because when 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 you are shouting, it's 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 like a tw- like it's a it's a twelfth man. I know it's a cliche, but it's 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 true. Like no, I think other managers have said in interviews this year that Hartlepool's one of the toughest, if not the toughest, place to go and lead to when it's bouncing. And it is the case, so I think the current climate we're in and the way things are going, I think I think the cra- the crowd is imperative, and and they don't realise how big of an imp- impact they can have. Because as a footballer, all you want to, all you want to feel is like everyone's everyone's with you, and obviously they are, and they come out in the numbers every week, and it's unbelievable. So they can play a massive, massive part, and obviously get us out of the situation we're in with us. Yeah,
2: 110%. I, I don't mean to put you on the spot here, but finally from myself, are there any goals that stand out for you from this season or from past season Um, in the year of 2022? I, I know it, it's quite a long period to think about, but are there any, I mean, like Newport away when um, Sterry scored his goal, that turn, for example? I mean, is there any that stick out for you in your mind?
3: Yeah, the Sterry one was a good one. Um, Obviously, Moles against Taribe was was... A joke. I think there's a video of me when when the on the iFollower, I just do, I just put my hands on the top of my head because I <laughs> can't like I can't believe what I've just watched. And then there's one from this year. I think we made like I think we made a lot a lot of passes. I think we put it on Twitter and there was like loads and loads of passes. And I think Cookie slid Josh in and Josh scored. Just yeah, that, like it was that, like twenty six passes or something, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a really, really good goal, and it went it went under the radar a bit, but it was a really, really good goal. So, yeah, I enjoy I enjoy them ones, um, but I probably probably Tip Moles as as the best one because just the way he hit it and the the sort of the crowd, <laughs> the he went off. It was good.
1: People always talk about positivity at this time of the year as we head into two thousand twenty three. Now, whilst we understand you can't necessarily speak for the club. Right, I assume the first thing would be to pull away from that relegation zone and after covering that, it would be great to hear your own personal objectives for the new year and beyond.
3: Yeah, it's it's obviously the main goal for for everyone at the club is to pull away from from the relegation zone. It's not the place we want to be, it's not the place we thought we'd be um, at the start of the year. Uh, obviously, Obviously, going from last year, some of the positive cup runs we had uh, just felt like there was a feel good, I feel good factor back at the club, and obviously that we wanted to take that on into this year, and it just sort of, sort of hasn't transcended into that, and that's just, I think that's football. Um, sometimes, and yeah, obviously my, my goals are always the same. It's just to improve and and give give my best for the, for the club. Obviously, I'm sort of like. Sort of when, obviously, when I'm not playing as I am now, because I'm injured, I'm sort of a, like a fan, and I, I feel like like that when I'm playing. Like I care a lot about the club, and I hate to see I hate to see the position it's in. It like it kills me personally. So if I can if I can do everything I can in my power to to help that as much as I can, then that's what I want to do, and obviously just improve. And, and when I come back, be better than I was when I, when I when I left um and obviously sort of carry on where from where I was last season and chip in with more goals, more assists and, and get the get the club back up up to the league where where it obviously belongs.
2: Well that ties up what's been an incredibly enjoyable chat. Cross, all that's left to say is thank you for giving us the time and we both hope that you have a brilliant Christmas, New Year, and we do look forward to seeing you in that away end at Rochdale on Boxing Day. <laughs>
3: Yeah, I can't wait for it. Yeah, it's going to be good. Um, I'm not done in a, I'm not done in a way end like with with the fans. So that'll be good.
2: I'm pretty sure everyone knows what big fans we are at TC. So it was pretty fitting to have him on, wasn't it, for the return of HFC chat?
1: <laughs> Did I? No, in all seriousness, um it's always great to have any player on the podcast, not just Crofts. um, to get that kind of feature, um, means a lot to us both. You know, it's it's really good insight that. Um, I'm sure our listeners will appreciate and you know Croft spoke really well so I'm pretty sure our listeners will enjoy listening to to what he has to say.
2: Well as you say you know it's great for our listeners to be able to connect with the players and it's great for us as well you know we we spend a lot of time following the following the lads financial um, investment in the club as well so yeah it's brilliant to be able to approach them and speak to them but Let's turn our attention now to Boxing Day's trip to Rochdale and we're going to dissect what came from Keith Curl's press conference this morning um, listening to uh, Matty Nixon from BBC Tees, Um, He interviewed him. So first and foremost, Davo, Alex Lacey is out for a period of time. Um, that was confirmed after surgery is needed. I mean, it comes at a time when I'd say Alex Lacey was starting to show what he's really capable of. We're starting to see bits of what he was like in pre-season. And from that came the comment that centre-back is now a particular focus for January. Davo I mean firstly what do you think about that comment? I mean it is pretty evident I'd say that we need another centre-half. We need defensive reinforcements, but secondly I've heard rumblings on Twitter. I've you know we've discussed it in the group chat about the potential for Timmy Um, coming out on loan from Bradford City. I mean, what are your views? What's your standpoint on, and I'm not saying that it would happen, but if there was the opportunity for Timmy Alessina to come back to HFC on loan, would you snap your hand off at that?
1: Well, first and foremost, um, it was pretty clear and evident from the early part of the season how under-equipped we were in that defensive area. Um, So, to lose Lacey, and like you said, at a time where him and in my opinion, you and Mary were starting to show a little bit of form and um, showing a little bit of quality. It comes at like I say, a terrible time. You know, we need all of our players fit. You know, this is a, a crucial part of the, the season for us going into this Christmas period and beyond into the new year. So I'm gutted for Alex, you know, but hopefully he comes back fitter, stronger and eager to make a difference when he does return in blue and white. And, um, Secondly, in regards to Timmy, yeah, I'd snap my hands off. You know, he's he's out of favour at Bradford. I, I don't re- I'm i not sure, but I don't really think he's played that much in signing for Bradford, mm-hmm. I don't believe. Mm-hmm. So if that opportunity did come, 100%. We know where he's about, us pullies. You know, he shows great quality, and he did last year. So if that opportunity did come, then I think it's something that we should definitely explore. I don't know about yourself, Jack.
2: No, 110%. I'm just laughing because you must really want... Uh... Timmy back if you're willing to snap your own hands off for that instead of snapping someone else's hand off. Um, but we'll swiftly move on to the next point. Um, Ellis Taylor returns to Sunderland and Keith apologised over the return clause mix-up. I mean, Davo, what were your thoughts on that whole deal?
1: I want to try and be respectful here. I can understand... To a certain degree, why we explored and give Ellis the deal, you know, for for someone of Ellis's Ellis's age, sorry, to sign for your hometown club, much must, must have meant the world to him. Mm-hmm. Granted, however, I think in the moments where he did play for us, whether that was in the Papa John FA Cup, etc., I just think there was just a huge lack of quality. And given the situation that the club is now in, trying to fight for safety, push on, in no disrespect to Ellis, we need proven and tested football league players to help us push on. And like I say, I mean that in no disrespect to him. And I think if that wage for Ellis could be utilised on a proven and tested football league player, then I think that is definitely something that the club should do.
2: Well, I think it's really important, as you say, we respect respect that whole thing. You know, he came into the club. He knows what it's about. He's from the town and stuff. He's not, he's not, no player in that situation is going to come in and think, oh, well, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to put in my maximum effort for the club. I'm not doubting that he will have applied himself, all of that type of thing. I think for me, you know, it may have just been that, the, as you say, the situation that we're in, the style of play we're perhaps playing, Maybe wasn't the right type um, for Ellis, and you know, I wish him all the best in his career. He's a hearty pull lad. Um, you know, I'm sorry that it didn't work out. I feel like I'm apologizing as part of the club here, but uh, you know, I am. I would have loved to see him thrive at the club. I would have loved, and we know how much it would have meant to him. You know, if he'd been able to be a success at the club and maybe extended the loan, etc., etc., it could have been a really beneficial thing. Um, there are a couple. Of um other points, there's decisions still to be made on. Is it Miss I can't always pronounce his name right. But um, Davo, quickly, what are your thoughts on him as a player? I personally think he's a he's quite a handy handy asset, and I'd, I'd certainly like to see his contract extended even till the end of the season.
1: Well, I'd have to concur with you on that one. Um, I think the, the bits that I've seen of him, he looks energetic. I think he, the quality that he has, is, is there for all to see. Um. I think if it's something that he wanted and the club wanted, I think it's definitely something that should be explored. Um, We're not in a position at the moment to kind of be fussy over who Mm. we sign or who we don't keep. So, But yeah, I I think he showed more than enough quality to to warrant an extension to his contract, even if that was till the end of the season with a view to a potential long-term contract. Um, I don't know about yourself, Jack.
2: No, one hundred and ten percent agree with you on that one. Um, A couple more things: the club will be, the players will be training on Christmas Eve, which will allow time for players to meet up with family or whatever arrangements they have, um, which I think is really important. And and also said about how they'll always have Christmas Day off. Um, I think he's very conscious, isn't he, of. And, um, you know, that balance between making sure that the players are happy and pushing them to the maximum that they can. Um, and he also believes that there's no correlation between a result and whether the training or not, um, you know, the day prior on Christmas on Christmas Day. So that was really good to have some clarity on that. Um, he touched on Stephen's decision to leave HFC personally got on very well with him and. Um, couple of points I just want to touch on at the end, which were quite interesting. So he talked about going to Spennymore Darlow the other day, um, how he was really welcomed by the club Spennymore. He met the Spennymore manager. But he also made a really interesting point. He met the Darlow owner's wife. Well, that's who, at least who he thinks it was. And he made the comment if you want, and she made the comment, sorry, if you want any of our players, you're gonna to have to dig deep because of the relationship between Darlow and Raj. Now I may have paraphrased that slightly. Um, and then Keith Curls responded with that saying, Well, it's a good job the owner's got money. Davo, what do you think of that?
1: I'm not at all shocked. Um having known what Darling can have been through. Um in those times, I think it's only right that they will probably play hardball when it comes to dealing with Raj in any shape, way or form, you know. Um, but I think all I can say is it's going to be interesting because these kind of moments will really reflect what the chairman's ambitions are and what his desires are for this football mm-hmm. club moving forward. So if he does want the club to stay up and he does have the ambitions that he says he he has, then... Simply, he'll pay the money at the one for any of their players.
2: No, one the yeah, definitely um, can't argue with that at all. And you know, I think even if you take the Raj element away from it, there's obviously that rivalry between the football clubs, whether they're lower down the pyramid or not. That between the two clubs will never ever go away. So I think that's an extra element. Um, fingers crossed, we'll see Raj showing some some intent and you know, if we do have to pay for a player that is going to get us out of this position or help to get us out from this position, Raj, what do you value more? Do you value the football club being in the football league and having that funding and and the extra benefits of that? Or would you rather us just carry on and continue going towards the direction that we're we're going in? Um, And then finally... You know, a couple more things. We know when the season ends, any games with three points available, we won three points. That was when being asked about um, how crucial this next period is. And he just talked about how performances need to be worthy of the jersey and the representation of the football club. And he expects everything from the players. So, you know, I thought it was a really interesting interview with him. I think the way he approaches things, as we've discussed before, it is fantastic. I like the way he approaches it, the way that he emphasises that that training should be insightful, it should be fun. The way he tries to balance the needs of the players and the football club at the same time, um, I think is vital. And and it was really interesting to see and hear some of the things and hearing being open about the discussions that were had the other day when he went to that game as well. Something that we probably haven't got from previous
1: uh, managers. Moving on now to our preview for Boxing Day, which says "Pools make the 228-mile round trip to Scotland to take on Rochdale on the back of our first away win against Crawley Town. Earlier this month, it is undoubtedly a great opportunity for Cave Curls boys to kick on and make it two on the bounce away from home. The hosts come into this clash, having only won one of their last six games, drawing one and losing four. The most recent outwin was a 4-1 home defeat to Harrogate Town. Now, we have met the Greater Manchester Outfit on 148 occasions, with Pools winning 53 of those, drawing 36 and losing 59. The last meeting came on the 18th of April this year, with Pools being on the end of a bitterly disappointing 2-1 defeat. Now, Jack, you know what comes next. As is customer here on HUFC, chat. can we please have your match prediction?
2: Well, yeah, it's very standard, isn't it, this process? I mean... Just to quickly touch on the Pulls defeat back in April, I don't want to keep going back to the past, but I think that was one of the most frustrating Pulls games I have ever been to. In the first half, we played well. We're obviously winning. Um, you know, we looked good value for the result at the time. And then to lose in the manner that we did, I, I remember I was absolutely livid after the game. Um, absolutely fuming. It just felt like the players couldn't be asked, couldn't be bothered. Um, So hopefully this time we'll see a, a complete performance. We'll see one where the lads are going for everything. Confidence should be high. You know, we, we finished last time, obviously Newport was uh, called off. So we finished with a, a win, as you say, 2-0 clean sheet. We should be going into the Rochdale game confident. These look, I mean, you've just mentioned there, how poor they've been at home. They've only won one of the last um, six games. I think that's overall, I'd assume, as well, um, in terms of results. So, look, these are here for the taking. The relegation fodder, and I mean, I know pulls haven't been great this season, but I just hope we can go into this. In terms of um, a result, I'm going to go with a pulls win, without doubt. It's happening. Uh, Three points back up the road, but... In terms of a scoreline, I'm going to go, you know what? I'm going to say pulls 3, Rochdale 1.
1: Ooh. Yeah. Well, I love the confidence from you, Jack.
2: Well, you've got to be. You've got to be. It's Boxing Day. pulls away day. Sold out away. And let's just go and beat them. Get back up the road with three points. Davo, what are you
1: thinking? I couldn't agree more with you. And on that note, I am going to go for a 2-1 Hartlepool win. Goals from Josh Umeara and whoever else fancies chipping in on the day. That's what, we, <laughs> that's what we'll say on that one.
2: Brilliant. Right, on to some of the Twitter questions we put out recently. Um, So we asked you as followers four questions. They were kind of 2022 questions now the likelihood is and i don't want to say we're making a commitment here but the likelihood is there will be another episode before um the new year so therefore perhaps it may have been better to save that for then however this was a request of one of our listeners to do something along those lines we were obviously thinking of doing that but we like to listen to you as followers and as listeners and we like to make sure that you enjoy the content as much as we do producing it. So on that note, firstly, who is the player of 2022? Now, this is taking into account the full year and I am going to get the results up and I know who's won. Um, but just so that the listeners who may not have seen the poll um, have a you know a better insight... The options were Josh Moret, Luke Molyneux, Tom Crawford and Mo Sillett. Now, when we were doing this, like discussing who we should put on there, I mean, it's difficult because everybody is going to have different views. Now, Ben Killett was seriously discussed, wasn't he, Davo? You know, we we saw him as a serious candidate for one of these players of 2022. Um, I mean, in the greatest respect, I think... <laughs> Well, two of the players that we had were from last season's squad as well. So Luke Molyneux and Croft. Then we had two players from this season's squad and and arguably the two best, as they should be, to be the player of 2022. So Josh Ulmerer, out of 325 votes, took 46%. Luke Molyneux, 36%. Crofts got 13%, which he wasn't very happy about, as you'll have heard earlier, um, when we were when we were speaking to him. Um, and Mo Silla got just 5% of the vote. And I was quite surprised with that. Um, I mean, for me, my player of 2022 had to be Joshua Moreau anyway. I mean, the goals he's contributed, the attitude he has, I'll never forget... Um, you know, when we were outside in the car park after one game and you said how much you love him. And and you could just tell, he said to us, didn't he, it means the world, those types of comments from supporters. Um, So for me, just as an all-round guy, what he's delivered on the pitch, what he brings to the team, his attitude, how he is off the pitch, how he is with supporters, he gets it. And as Croft said, how he's adapted from being a part-time player to a full-time player, I think is not every player can hack that. And you know, we've seen we've seen that in the past. But yeah, for for me, Josh was the player of 2022 anyway. And I'm not surprised Luke Molyneux got the votes he did either. Um, you know, someone who did a lot for the club, someone who had great talent. Um, but yeah, Davo, I mean, do you agree with that assessment that Josh is your player of 2022? Or do you just want to discuss some of the other players that, that could have been named in that for you?
1: Well, first and foremost, I do agree with Josh. Um And there was a lot of other legitimate candidates that, you know, granted. But I think, like you've said, for Josh to step up from the National League to League Two, a man who commanded a fee this summer. You know, he's been put into a situation where he's already, in his first season in the EFL, has had to go through a managerial transition. So he's had to get used to another manager in a short space of time. But to kind of come in, like you say, keep his head up, Work hard, train hard. You can clearly see, like you say, how much he wants this to work for him. He's fighting for the fans. He's, you know, he puts himself about for his teammates and to come in and score 10 goals in what has been an arguably poor pools team this year, I think is testament to the character of Joshua O'Mara. So you could have easily said to one like Luke Molyneux, you know, scored some really good goals, not just in 2022, but in 2021 as well, was instrumental to, to help us finish where we finished, win games, etc. And um, I thought Neil Byrne had a good year last year. Arguably, a player of the year candidate for me. Um, but I think for the reasons we both give, I think I'd have to say, Josh, 110%. Now, moving on, secondly... We asked, what is your moment of 2022? The two options were Crystal Palace away, which took 61% of the vote, and Rob at home in the Papa John's semi-final, which took 39%. There was a mention for KC's appointment by David Frank. Jack, just before I give mine, was Crystal Palace yours, or was it something else that came to mind?
2: I mean, it's important that we're always brutally honest, isn't it, about things on this podcast and we give our honest opinions. And, you know, when I, when we were pulling a tweet together, when we were discussing it, I genuinely struggled to find moments of 2022 because recently there have been none. It's been crap, um, unfortunately, you know. And for me, yes, it was Crystal Palace away. It was hard to differentiate between that and Rotherham at home just because the club has been through such a poor however many years where we struggled. We've had no success. It's been awful to watch. It's been, you know, cowboy owners, all this type of stuff that we've gone through, relegation from the Football League, To have that day at Crystal Palace, I mean, I still get emotional just talking about it because to see little old Artie the club that we love so much, on a Premier League stage in the FA Cup fourth round, wow. I mean, it came up. I was looking at some pictures from it today. There was a thing on Instagram which said, share your moment of 2022. And I just couldn't think of anything else. Um, You know, it... To be there with yourself, uh, Davo, you know, stood outside that Sainsbury's on that wall with our flag and seeing all the Pulse fans and being with mates and seeing people who followed Pulse like we have through the tough times, um, to be able to celebrate a day. I mean, the result, we never went there like thinking, oh, you know, we'll get a result or it's about the result. We went there just, it was kind of a celebration of at that time, how far we'd come. Now, I know we've fallen back a lot from this time last year but that moment for me will live with me for the rest of my life we lost 2-0 but we fought so hard and that day made I think made the town of Hartlepool proud the football club did and I think it made us as supporters proud of the football club so for me I can't really look elsewhere to have that many Pools fans there as well it was just so special, I know I'm probably rambling on at this point but you can just tell how much that day meant to me so for me that had to be the moment of 2022 I know the semi-final and I think if the result had been different for the semi-final and had secured had we secured that first trip to Wembley we would have been talking about a Wembley appearance and that would have been my moment of 2022 because without doubt like I've always said I'll never go to Wembley until pose get there now that be that on my head because I may struggle and the way we're going at the minute, a Wembley appearance is looking quite far away. However, I think, you know, that, that night was special to have the Vic pack like it was, uh, to have the massive displays at the northwest corner pulled together were absolutely incredible. Um, so, yeah, it wasn't far behind Palace because I think there were two monumental moments for the club in terms of mm. coming from where we have been. But yeah, the short of it is Davo, Crystal Palace away um, in the FA Cup was my moment of 2022. You know, would you agree with that assessment? Of course, it's fine if you don't, Davo, we're not going to fall out.
1: I was going to say, God forbid we did get Wembley, we probably wouldn't hear the end of it from you, Jack. <laughs> 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 but in all seriousness, um, like you said, there hasn't really been a lot of options to kind of go through. Um, I will say, one, that I, I I didn't go through the comments on Twitter. Or if I did miss it, then I have missed it. However, I was thinking of saying Newport away.
2: Oh, I yeah, just, I can fully get behind that, Devo. Definitely. I
1: bet. I bet. <laughs> um, no, but in seriousness, though, I think the win that night, the magnitude of that win, I think it just goes a little bit underappreciated and a little bit under the radar for me, personally. That was a huge win. You know, if we... We all know what happened following the defeat to Rotherham. You know it was complete a complete capitulation. Sorry, so to get that win then to basically just get us over that fifty point mark was was huge for me personally. Um, in regards to how last season went or the second half of it rather, but like you say, I think Crystal Palace is going to have to take it for me. Um, we've had opportunities in the past where we got to the third round and the draw hasn't. Being in our favour, so to kind of get on the right end of a draw last year and get Palace to see our little old HUFC on the big map, going down to London to Crystal Palace away, and it, it was just special. It really was the build-up to it, the way Palace was—you know—it was. That you know, it was, it was just special. It really was special. The, the backing from the Poles' faithful, the noise we made, the the, the march towards the away end pre-kick-off, I think everything about it was just classy and I'm not being awful that kind of support from us that day would not look out of place in the Premier League
2: I think you've hit the nail on the head Davo, as is standard for yourself um, yeah, a great way to put it and I'm glad you did mention Newport away, that comes up in the next section, uh, we did ask what was the match of 2022 the options of course were Crystal Palace away which took 32% of the vote Newport away that three-two win back in March took twenty percent of the vote. The Rotherham semi-final won the vote with forty-four percent, and then Mansfield away um, that two-two draw back in September got just four percent. I think again, sadly, there haven't been loads of matches that we could pick out um, to say that you know we we thoroughly enjoyed and and there were big moments and hence the reason why we stuck Man City. I mean, it was a fantastic comeback, don't get me wrong, but um, I think there's not much for us to discuss on this um, this question because we've discussed a lot of it with the Crystal Palace. You've mentioned Newport away. Well, it was a fantastic win. Um, went there expecting to get battered. Um, I said that before I went. I think we're going to get battered when we go down there. We halted Newport going up, which... Um, was obviously good because they sent us down a little while ago. I I firmly believe we were the start of their downfall. Um, So, yeah, it was just a big win in so many ways and and one that we needed after that complete. I mean, (laughs) HUFC after Rotherham felt like a broken club. And it was a broken club because it hurt. It hurt so much, um, that defeat, in the manner that it was um you know to lose on penalties that close to a trip to Wembley. Um so as you say, to have gone to Newport and got a massive win in Europe, as we like to frequently talk about, um, was it was one of the matches of 2022. But yeah, for all the reasons we discussed, rather than that semi-final, the occasion The actual, it was an entertaining match. Paul should have won it. Really, I mean, Omar Bogle missed that header. He put wide at the end. I think Cross missed a chance as well. I think he was thrown goal at one stage. Um, But we 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 did again do the town proud that night. Um, So you know that that took um, the match of 2022 um, on the vote, and as a personal um, as a personal one for both of ourselves.
1: Yeah, I think I have to get behind the um, the listeners. I think I have to say Rotherham. I think to see the town unite together to get behind the football club, in, which was arguably one of our biggest nights at the Vic, and to see, what was it? I think it was a sellout of Victoria Park, actually. It was 7,000 plus, which is, I mean, in recent times, it's you barely see that. So to, to see the town get behind the team, the club, pack out the Vic, the atmosphere, the, the 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 whole night itself, the occasion was just it was special, and and Crofts touched on it coming out of the tunnel and seeing the the display, the the noise, like he rightfully said, you'd, you'd have thought there was twenty five thousand in there that night, and we came close, so close to making it to our first ever trip to Wembley, um, which sadly wasn't to be, but. I think in itself, like you said, we we did the, the town proud, and I, I just think it was just a, a great it was a great night overall. So I think for me personally, it would have to be, Rotherham at home. And moving on to our last question, we asked for goal of two thousand and twenty two, and Luke Molyneux's goal, Wade Harrogate, as Crofts also said in his answer, completely swept the floor there was a mention for umera's chip against harrogate as well for me personally i am also going to have to go with the consensus of luke molyneux versus harrogate it was just unbelievable the run forwards and just the audacity to look up shoot on his left and to see it ripple the net and to see all the limbs in the away and everyone going everywhere It was just unbelievable uh, ability and quality from Luke Molyneux. Uh, One of many that he scored that season. Um, But in all seriousness, there was other good contenders as well, but he, he was the outright legitimate winner of that. So, Jack, do you agree with me? Do you agree with the viewers? Or is there something else in your mind?
2: No, I mentioned this to Cross when we spoke to him. And I'm going on this. I mean, Luke Molyneux's goal, literally, Honestly, take nothing away from it, absolutely unbelievable. I mean, I remember seeing that goal after the game. It was, oh, wow. I mean, if that had been done by a championship player, a Premier League player, or someone of higher um, calibre, that would have been talked about for weeks on end, because imagine if Ronaldo did that, or Messi did that. um, You know, it'd be talked about for... Well, again and again and again and again on different platforms, social media, um, you know, Sky Sports, whatever that may be. But I'm gonna go with this goal for my goal. We've talked about that Newport match, Jamie Sterry that finished the technical quality for himself to do that turn and just. I just think his awareness and, and the build up there's a little one too, honestly. It, it was absolutely fantastic, and for me, um, yeah, Jamie Sterry, Newport away, was my goal of 2022. But it was extremely hard to kind of <laughs> argue with the whole assessment of our listeners of yourself about Luke Molyneux's finish because that was sublime as well. Um, so yeah, I'll go with. Jamie Sterry, Newport away back in March for my goal of 2022. So the news came out of the club this week that Stephen Hoban, the current chief operating officer of the club, someone who came on our podcast a while ago, will be stepping down from his role after handing in um, his notice. So he'll be stepping down in the new year. um, But Stephen's going to work an extended period until March 2023, while the club recruit his replacement, allowing for a full handover of duties. I'm just going to read um, the statement that came out of the club. So Stephen commented, I've been very privileged to hold the position of COO, and I'm really proud of what we've achieved as a team off the field and the progress we have made since joining the club in 2021 i'll remain fully committed to the football club and play an active role in the recruitment process for my successor while at the same time ensuring the club maintains stability during this transition It is very much business as usual, as I plan to stay on until March 2023, when hopefully the recruitment process is completed. I would like to take this opportunity to thank my brilliant staff and volunteers for the hard work and efforts during my tenure, together with the board and chairman, Mr Singh, for the opportunity here at Hartlepool United. I would also like to thank the playing staff and management who have been a pleasure to work with, our sponsors and club partners, and most of all, the supporters. We truly have some of the best fans in football, travelling the length and breadth of the country, and I wish the club every success moving forward. I will always be an adopted pulley and support from afar and visit the Suit Direct Stadium as a fan whenever I can. Joan Raj Singh said, We've discussed things with Stephen at length with the view of stepping down as COO in the new year. The club operations off the pitch have progressed in recent years and we are thankful for the hard work that has gone in from Stephen and all the operational staff that support him. We wish Stephen and his family all the very best for the future. With Stephen's extended notice period, we have the opportunity to go through a full process to appoint a right successor. As a club, we have invested in our infrastructure in recent years and there is a fantastic opportunity for someone to come into this position to take the Hartlepool United forward into the next chapter. Now, after hearing all of that, Davo, what are your thoughts on all of this, the whole situation?
1: Right. Now, I'm well aware that this man will divide opinion. It's one of those you're either going to be for him or you're going to be against him. However, the way I see it, I firmly believe that Stephen wasn't your typical yes man who's just come in for a payday or... Or whatever. I don't think he should be branded as a, a cowboy or any such thing. I do believe that he came here to make an impact, to come here to make a difference and to progress the club off the pitch and move forward with the times. Whilst I say that, I am aware that at times he hasn't held, handled himself sorry, in the best of ways, obviously making that tweet which obviously received a lot of backlash, which then obviously subsequently led to him coming off social media. And I know things this year haven't gone great, granted. Now, I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. I'm not saying that there has been a breakdown in relationship, but I just think ultimately, when you see how things have gone, I just think all roads were somehow leading to this juncture. I think it almost felt predictable that at some point Stephen would move on. But, like I say, I do believe that he was different to many other people that have come into this club to work behind the scenes. I do believe that, he, he like I say, he wanted to make a difference. Do you know what I mean? It's just it's, it's just my opinion. At the end of the day, I know a lot of people will, will, will talk on the other side of the coin, but, like I say, as far as I'm aware, Stephen goes on with my best wishes um, and hopefully, like I say, the club can act quick, get the new replacement in and we can keep moving forward off the field. I've got a funny feeling, Jack, that you might argue the latter.
2: Quite funny that Davo always painting me out to win. No, no. <laughs> no, I'm messing, but I agree with points you've made 110%. Um, I really do. I, I think um, you know that the fact that there have been improvements on the pitch, off the pitch, even not on the pitch, off the pitch, um, you know, there has been. I think the club, the ground, sorry, looks fresher than it once did. I think, you know, it, that is all part of creating an environment and there's all different functions that come together. I believe that he probably wasn't. He, I don't think he was a, a complete yes man. No, I, I don't. You know, I agree with I agree with you on that. For me, I mean, he was fantastic when he came on the podcast and the things he was talking about were things to get excited about. My issue is, and this again is my own personal opinion, I feel that there hasn't always been the delivery on promises made. And for me, I get that things change. I get that plans change. Fundamental thing is honesty and being transparent with supporters. And I fully believe at the start, Stephen was fantastic at that. I do not for one minute agree with the abuse that he got on Twitter. I think it went way too far. It went over the top. However, if you are making comments such as I could leave this job and go to any job, basically is what he was saying, then... That, first and foremost, is a dangerous thing to say because it's like the whole analogy of the Regan-Tumulty celebration putting his fingers in his ear. We've had that discussion, haven't we? Um, You know that it could come back to bite you, potentially. And I do feel that the fact that he has made that comment, that's not going to go well with Pulse supporters because no one is bigger than Artipool United Football Club. We all buy into it. We all work together to get the club in the position um, that we all want to see it in. And to say that, I think the timing of it was poor. And for me, again, personal opinion, I think he'd gone very much into the background once things have gone to pot. He's very much at the forefront of certain things like Paul Hartley, his appointment, for example. He's very much when things were going well, you know, when there's a positive thing, positive vibes around the club, he's at the forefront of it but ever since things have gone how they have, I do feel that he's taken a step back now. That may be influenced by the lack of Twitter activity. Now, that's, response, that's his choice. He's come off Twitter because he feels that, and again, I repeat, the abuse that he did get, sections of it were completely unwarranted and went way too far. But, you know, for me, I don't think... I mean, the seats weren't in in time that they said they were going to be. You know, it's things like that. That's just an example, but it's things like that. I, When I look at someone at Pool United Football Club, I judge someone, I give them time first and foremost, and then I judge them against what they've promised us as supporters that they're going to do. Now, if things are going to change, because football, we all know, is a volatile environment. If all of a sudden something can't be afforded or some plans that may have been put in place can't be enacted upon because of said issues. I, I acknowledge they can't tell us absolutely everything, but I'll ask for, for some transparency. And I think the fact that we haven't had some of that and the fact that, um, he made that comment and the fact that some of the things that were promised hadn't been done on time, that's kind of left a sour taste in my mouth. Now, you know, He has done good things to improve the club. He has. I will not deny that for one minute. The club, I would probably argue, has become a better place off the pitch due to the way in which he has acted. I believe he has brought things in um, to make it a better place. And I'm thankful for that. I really am. But for me, just a few little things. Well, it can be little to some. It can be bigger to others. I think some of them are smaller than others. But that comment, Ever since that point, I've kind of had my doubts and I've been wary because that's what we've been used to. People who will leave the club when it gets bad. Now, I'm not saying that Steven's leaving the club because it gets bad. We don't know the reasons behind that. But I think you get what I'm trying to say there, Davo, in terms of, you know, it's a difficult one to judge. It's a difficult one to say I'm either this or that. I have mixed views on the whole situation. And I think, you know, it's a difficult one to discuss. Got to be respectful of the whole situation. We don't know what's going on behind the scenes. But as you've said, you know, wish Stephen all the best as he moves on to whatever new role he takes up. And, and fingers crossed, we bring in someone who is, again, willing to transform the club and take the club in the direction that it needs to be. Another thing that I did miss out, um, you know, was the whole thing. The club are now in a place where, and I know it can be used as a criticism because some of the things it has come across like, well, we've made a profit, that's the most important thing. But Stephen, again, will have played a part in that. And to make us more financially stable is critical for us to move forward. So there are things that were great about the st- what Stephen's done at the club. But for me, he leaves with a bit of a sour taste in my mouth. And I, I'm sorry to say that. I'm sorry that that's how it is um but i guess as a club no one is bigger than the club and again we've just got to move forward and focus on hopefully getting out the situation that we are we've got a great management team in place i fully believe so hopefully that can be replicated behind the scenes and we can move forward from there
1: first and foremost a big question to start with well how has it been following pools this year and what have been your
0: highlights um, yeah, it's been a weird
4: year, hasn't it? It's sort of been uh, two ends of the spectrum, if you like, from January last year, and and what was the, the the back end of as the season went through that amazing period of the the cup runs, and then the end of last season where results sort of tailed off after the the defeat against Rotherham, and then what we've had since, which has been a uh, a really tough watch at times you know being completely honest and i think anybody who's watched pools uh this season would sort of w- would agree with that for the most part um but it feels like it's starting to maybe pick up again especially off the back of the the result against crawley so hopefully this is the start of of the the rebuild if you like coming into january but uh, talking about some of the highlights um for me, and look, I know people will point to Rotherham in the the, the semi final of the pizza stuff crust Super Trophy or whatever you want to call it, um, or the uh, the the FA Cup tie against Crystal Palace. For me, the one that trumps both of those in a weird way, and maybe not trumps it, but the one that sticks out in my mind as a highlight is the the win over Blackpool. Mm-hmm. which then went on to set up both of those other games that followed in the, the, the respective cups. And that was just because I remember walking into the ground that day and the buzz around the stadium from walking into reception and speaking to people in there and then making a way into the ground and into the Neil coop stand where we commentate from. And I just I just remember that feeling and everybody... Thinking, oh yeah, this could be the start of you know a good cup run, and this could really kick it on from here. And the telly, you know, the TV were there, match of the day were there, and they had all the cameras on it, hoping for Hartlepool United win. Um, because a little bit of insight here sometimes on the FA Cup games. See if Hartlepool United are the favourite. Uh, in terms of like the post-match stuff, you get a you get sent a sheet of paper. They'll tell you about what you need to do, who you need to interview, uh, depending on the results. And if the the favoured team wins, uh, they'll say, like, oh, no post-match interview needed because it's kind of, it's not as big as a story. And that afternoon, I got the sheet through and it was like, if Hartlepool United win, interviews with both managers and players, da 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 So... The cameras were there, everybody was hoping for the upset, and it and it came. And the fact that it was Joe Gray as well, in fact, David Ferguson got shot, albeit deflected, against the team he used to captain. And then it went on to set up the, the trip to Crystal Palace, which was amazing and obviously will live long in the memory. But I have no doubt loads of people have said both Rotherham and Crystal Palace. So that's why I'm
2: kind of going for Blackpool. <laughs> I mean, that's a, that's a great way of looking at it and great to hear another answer. I mean, me and Davo and looking at what fans commented, as you say, it was mainly tailored towards the Crystal Palace, the Rotherham game. And it's great yeah. to hear a, someone with a different viewpoint and also that type of insight that we'd never be able to get. So thanks for your answer on that. But with the good comes the bad, inevitably. Mm. But what have been the biggest downsides of this year following HFC?
4: I mean, we we do a separate podcast just on this bit, <laughs> couldn't we? Uh, it's, yeah. it's been tough. It's been really difficult. And look, I I, I realize that I say that as um, somebody who's in a very privileged position to make a living off going and watching games of football. Do you know what I mean? Like that's uh, as much as there is a lot that goes into it. I know there's people who probably sat here listening to this and thinking, I. Give my right arm to do what you do. And and I remember Ali Brownlee saying to me once, um, Middlesbrough commentator who's no longer with us, and um I went in one morning, I used to work on a breakfast show with him, and I said, Oh, are you doing he's like, Yeah, yeah, I'm good, I'm good. How are you? And I was like, Yeah, I'm all right. Uh, you know, that you have in every every walk of life, in work or whatever, you have things that sometimes you have bad days and you have good days and on that particular day, I was having a bad day, and I remember him saying to me, he's like, Rob, you always must remember, you could walk into that bus station now in central Middlesbrough and say to anybody in there, do you want to swap jobs for the day? And they'll probably say, all right, what do you do? And you go, oh, well, I talk about sport for a living. And they'll go, up, yeah, where do I sign? For the most part. So I realised that I, my, my answer to this comes with that fully in my mind that, I'm very privileged to do what I do and I love what I do. Um, But it's been tough, hasn't it? It's been a tough watch at times. It's been tough. I think considering the summer when there was so much hope, there was so much optimism with the new manager coming in, with um, everything that happened over the summer for the most part, going into the start of the campaign, And then it unfolding the way it did and unravelling quite drastically and quite rapidly. That, I think, was, yeah, it it was a really, uh, a real sort of eye-opener to where the club is and how how things have, how things have sort of failed to, Developed from the mm-hmm. back end, or failed to develop from last season, and the success of last season, albeit the end of it being a struggle. Um. So yeah, I would say the bad parts. You know, Paul Hartley's reign didn't go as anybody wanted uh, or thought it. W- I mean, the, um, the, 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 what they thought it would. Although I'm sure, sure there's some, and I know there's fans who I speak to say, "I could have told you that was going to happen. I knew that was going to happen." But I think for the most part, majority of fans sort of looked at it and thought, okay, you know, willing to give this guy a shot. And the the opening day against Walsall, just straight off the bat, was um, a long, long afternoon. Uh, you know, especially from our job as commentators, when you are trying to convey what's happening at home. And I always say in commentaries, look like, We'll call it as we see it. If it's good, we'll tell you it's good. And if it's bad, we'll tell you it's bad. And that opening game against Walsall was as bad as I'd seen from Hartlepool for a long time. So, yeah, Walsall's got to be up there. Um, (laughs) I think most people would have probably agreed with that. But, yeah, the ones that followed, you know, Blackburn away, and I know that was in the cup, and that was another one, Leighton Orient. That was a, a tough afternoon. So there's there's quite a lot of low lights, chaps. I'll be completely honest. Mm. You, you you could probably do a, a whole hour just on that. But yeah, there, there was some definite uh, tough afternoons in there. That's for sure.
1: Well, I do say in football, it is the hope that killed you. However, we yeah. both know how much you love the club, how you get where it means for us supporters. But what is it like to be a pundit? And does it give you a different perspective to one that we would hold on the terraces, being in that role that you are currently in? Oh, 100%.
4: Um, Don't get me wrong. I mean, I think sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't. Uh, The one thing that I make sure that I do is I talk to fans. You know, I talk to you guys. There's, There's other people, other fans who sit near us in the Neil Cooper stand we have our fans panel every week on BBC Radio T's sport. And I think that that's a huge part of understanding what supporters, uh, what their frustrations are, what their, uh, what their, their praise is, you know, the, the, the things that they see from their football club, that they enjoy, that they like, um, I think that's a massive part of it, just sort of keeping your finger on the pulse. Because if you're not, then, I mean, I don't know, I think it's um, it makes the job a lot harder if you don't understand what the fan base feels about their football club. Um, so that's, that's one thing, for sure. But in terms of being a little bit closer to it, um, I think you can't help but get invested in the people at the club and that includes the supporters as well. I'm not just talking about like players and managers and whatnot, but you know these are people who you deal with on a daily, weekly basis, and it's not just players. It's people behind the scenes who you might not ever see. You might not ever think of whether it's the people on reception when you go get your your press passes or. Um the the people when you go get your cup of tea before you go on air at half you know, you, you go get your cup of tea at half past one before you're on air at two, and you chat to the same lady behind the 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 counter every every Saturday or every Tuesday. It's it's those people, so that's a, a massive part of it. But the one thing I will say is there is part of the job where, you know, you, you speak to these players and a lot of the times you speak to them uh, before you start recording interviews. You know, you, you are we doing? Or are you all right? Well, then you, you get to know the players. You get to know the managers. You get to know the people who step on the field and put that blue and white shirt on. So you get to know a little bit more about what makes them tick and when things are going well. And I don't just mean on the field. I mean like in their personal lives. You know, things that are going on. And I think that's a <laughs> A big thing that a lot of supporters don't see and that's sometimes my frustration that I wish and I understand why they don't but I wish players and I'm not just talking about Hartlepool United players here because to be fair a lot of the pools players are really good at being honest in their interviews and just being open but just in football in general you see interviews and post-match interviews or pre-match interviews with players who give the same stock answers to the same questions mm-hmm. most weeks, and I think, you know, we all cry out about uh, how players, or sorry, how fans should understand players are people, and not just machines who go on a football pitch. And I, th- I do agree that 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 is the case, but the the counter to that is that if players. Open up a little bit more and show their personality, and show their character. Then play. Then fans relate to them more and see that they are human. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So it's that it's, it's that contrast, I think. And I, for the most part, that's what I get to see is the characters and the people. And like I say, I could give you a a list of players at Hartlepool who aren't afraid of being themselves in front of a microphone. Um, and I think pools are quite it it's a that's a very good thing because it just it connects everybody much much more um so yeah I think albeit sometimes we are invested in the players because we know them a little bit more doesn't mean we we don't give them the, the stick when they they haven't played well or we don't criticize or whatever mm. but I think it it does sometimes see that your view may differ slightly sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes differ to what fans in and around you think or believe about certain players and their patches of form or or whatever. And just the final bit on this is like speaking as somebody who works for the BBC, it's important that whatever my feelings are about a player, be it good or bad, or a manager, be it good or bad or whatever is that I'm there as a commentator during the game I'm talking about. I'm there as a commentator to tell you what is happening. Mm. I'm not there to tell you that he's crap and I don't like him and whatever. That's not my place as a commentator, nor should it ever be. Eddie is there to give you his experience and his knowledge of being in the dugout and being under pressure and being in the game and knowing what's that knowing what that feels like he's there to tell you why these things are happening i'm there to tell you what's happening and granted post match interviews and pre match interviews that's when i'm there to ask the questions that fans want the answers to or ask the questions that fans believe should be asked and that's a tricky spot to be in as well sometimes but yeah i think it taught it i mean it's um it's a good question and it's one that i think you, you you could ask many reporters, uh, and they'd probably give you a similar answer. That it's a fine it's a fine sort of line to tread, but I think as long as you understand what supporters think and feel about their football club, and obviously there's many different shades of opinion, but for the most part, you understand what the gripes are, you understand what they like about their football club, you understand about the questions that need asking, then I think you you know you can't go too too far wrong.
2: I think some of the points that you raised there, actually, I mean, I know, for, speaking for myself, I don't know what you're thinking, Davo, but it's given me a lot of food for thought in terms of, you know, this personal connection with players and stuff. I mean, we're very fortunate, and as Cross has been on the podcast talking earlier, we've got yeah. a good friendship with him. But, you know, to understand that whole thing, you see the players more and most frequently coming out on a pitch for 90 minutes. And I know I'm I'm guilty of this. If they're playing crap, whatever you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. I mean, I may slate a player for ninety minutes constantly. Um, not that I do do this, but I do slate players <laughs> quite often. Um, I I am in, you know, I don't I don't shy away from saying my point of view. But you don't know what that player has gone through, especially at the lower levels before mm. coming onto that pitch. And I think you know that what you've raised there has actually given me, um, some food for thought. One hundred and ten percent. Um, I say this now when I'm calm and pulls out, pulls out losing three <laughs> nil. Well,
4: yeah, I, I tell you what. On that note, and I think that the interview that Jamie Sterry did this past week is a brilliant example of of that. So prior to the interview that he did as we speak on. Uh, what day is it? It's that time of the mm-hmm. year when nobody knows what day it is. Friday, right? So as we speak on Friday, did the interview this morning. And in that interview, and he did some with us on Radio Tees and he did some with Joe Ramage from the, the Hartlepool Mail, where he talks about his struggles with his injuries and how that affected his his sort of his uh, mental health and his mental well being because he knows and he he talks about it in the interview that fans think he doesn't want to be there so they think he's like pretending to be injured or whatever which sounds nuts right like it, it it sounds nuts but he then comes out and says i absolutely want to be here and i know that this is what some sections or some supporters might think about me mm. but that's not the case and this is how it made me feel and this is what i've been going through that takes a lot of balls as a as a uh, a player to come out and say, "This is what I've been going through, and this is how it's made me feel. This is mm-hmm. how I've dealt mm-hmm. with it, and I understand fans' frustration, but this is what it's been like for me." And I think then when fans hear that, they go, "Wow, okay," and mm-hmm. they immediately connect more now with Jamie Sterry because of his bravery to speak how he spoke. Yeah, than they would have if he come out and went, "Oh yeah, it's been really." it's been really difficult and I just want to be out there and help the lads and I'm glad to be back now Mm. and gives a real closed uh, answer to a question. So I think it's give and take on both sides, absolutely, but credit to Jamie Sterry for that because, you know, he has been through it and uh, Pools are better with him in the team. I think everyone would agree with that
2: one. 110% and, and again, it's another great example of, you know, That honesty, I mean, we talked about it a little bit earlier in this episode um, in regards to different situations at the club, but if we just demand, as you well know, Rob, we just want 110% from every single player every week. Of course, yeah. And, you know, I just want to put a disclaimer out to listeners and everyone who follows the podcast. I am not now saying that I will not slate players in games (laughs) because inevitably that's going to happen. But I think it is a really good point that you've raised there, Rob, in terms of, you know thinking about these people are humans, and not robots. Um so just moving on, if you were Keith Curl, Rob, and were told by Raj you can sign three players in January, and this is theoretical of course because we all know that we need more than that, what specific positions would you bring in? Oh lads,
4: you're asking a big question. It? It? <laughs> um oh just three uh okay, so centre back is a given, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um the fact that Pools started the season with just three centre backs, I think, is uh one of the many frustrations about what happened in the summer and the rec- recruitment in the summer. Uh and and it's it's come back to to bite pools on numerous occasions. So a centre back for sure. Uh, As much as Josh O'Meara has done incredible to get as many goals as he has done, I think absolutely need another striker. Mm -hmm. Um, Whether that be somebody who can partner him, somebody who can provide for him or uh, just a little bit more cover there, a little bit more um, solidity there that can give Pools a different option. I think that wouldn't go miss at all, and me, this is where me and uh Eddie Kyle differ. So I love Eddie, he's brilliant. Um, but he will tell me every week, and he'll tell listeners every week that Hartlepool United could do with another goalkeeper. Um, for me, I, I can understand in parts why he would think that just in terms of competition alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, for for Ben Killop. I think Killop is really... When he has competition, he always seems to just shift up a gear. Mm-hmm. I, and, and I think that whenever that's happened and whenever other players have been brought in, he's always improved. So, uh, But I, I'm going to go with... Uh, I'm going to go with a creative midfielder. I think just lacking that spark... Although, I will say, I think Callum Cook has improved immensely yeah. in the last month or so. And he he's starting to become... And we're starting to see the type of performances from him that I think many were hoping we would see uh, at the beginning of the season. But he's improved massively and, and maybe filling that void a little bit in terms of the balls that he plays and the, the way he sees the game. But I would say, yeah... Uh, maybe sort of an attacking midfielder, creative midfielder, somebody who can, and it's an old cliche, but the person who can create something out of nothing, whether that's curling one into the top corner, that's a wonder strike, or picking out that pass that nobody else on the field sees that can put it on a plate for either Josh Amara or the new striker. Mm. Uh, So I'd go centre-back, attacking midfielder, and a striker would be my three picks.
1: Well, I think I speak on behalf of all poolies when I say it. I hope that all comes to fruition. Um, <laughs> so fi- final question for you, Rob. Where do pools go from here as we move into 2023 and the second half of this season? The million-dollar question being, how do pools pull away from this relegation scrap?
4: So, um, I think if I had the answer to that, I would be, uh, where I'd be like I'd be like Keith Curl. I'd be <laughs> a football manager, uh, but uh, I'm not. So I, I I prelude this with just saying that you know I think pools pools just need consistency, full stop. Um, and the, the I think the frustrating thing is they've shown this season in glimpses, and I absolutely take the point. It has been merely glimpses, but. We've seen that they can play well, they can be a cohesive unit, You know they can dig out results, they can play other teams off the park, albeit far too occasionally this season. Um, I think if they can maintain that level that we saw against Crawley, where defensively they were absolutely sound and looked better for Jamie Sterry being in there, took the chances when they came, from corners as well. I mean, it was like London buses, wasn't it? you haven't seen a goal from a corner in God knows how long and then you get two in one game. Um, so, yeah, I think just uh, consistency. The, the fact that we've gone from one extreme to the other in the last couple of months with a really solid performance and then the talk after the game is, right, let's build on that from now. And then go and lose quite heavily the week after. Mm. Then to bounce back from that and then win. And then everyone's hopes up again. And it's like, Adam, like you said earlier, it's the hope that kills you. Um, so, yeah, a, a level of consistency. And if that's a couple of draws and the odd win here that just sees Pools stay safe this season. I mean, I think if you asked every Pools fan now, would you take third bottom? I think everybody would say, yeah, where do we sign? Mm. Um, so, yeah, con- just a level of consistency rather than sort of swinging from one extreme to the other uh, would be my answer.
2: That wraps up view from the press box. Rob, it's been absolutely fantastic as ever to have you on. Uh, your insights been incredible and up to the high standards that we've come to know and love. So thank you very much for coming on and we just want to both wish you a very Merry Christmas and all the best for you lot um, over the new year as well.
4: Uh, thanks for having us on, lads, any time. And as I always say, that, you know, I think just keep doing what you're doing. Great to have the podcast back. And, yeah, I hope you'll both have a good Christmas and hopefully three points for Pools on Boxing Day.
2: Indeed. Cheers, Rob. Fantastic to hear from Rob, as ever, a man who we both admire as an individual and the work that he does it concludes the return of hfc chat it's great to be back recording we won't commit to a set pattern of releasing episodes it'll be more like going with the flow however one thing i will say is keep your eyes peeled over this christmas period because plenty of content will be coming your way i mentioned at the top of the show about spotify wrapped and some some of our statistics i think it's best we save that for our episode before the new year for pretty obvious reasons um so all that's left to do is wish our followers listeners far and wide a very Happy Christmas. We both hope that you have an enjoyable one, whatever you get up to. And we look forward to seeing a lot of you in that sold-out away end on Monday in Rochdale for three points and back up the road. But Davo, my final message to you, a very Merry Christmas from myself and to all your
1: family. And obviously the same goes to yourself, of course, but most importantly, as ever, keep the faith, back the boys and never say die.